Open your eyes. This is America. The greatest nation on Earth. Where rats have it better than Italian children. If we are to build an empire of hope, we must first conquer New York. Our New York is being threatened by a wave of brown-skinned filth. They just keep coming. We ought to ship them all back. We have to show America we are all people of dignity. I want to build an orphanage. Be careful. This place will eat you alive. Even the Pope cannot protect you from what may come. I am unashamed. What about you? All right, welcome back to Unashamed. We um, we just came off recording a crazy episode, so we're all kind of gathering ourselves ready for this last one. So we were a little all over the place in the last one. Yeah, it'd be a good gift to give somebody... Uh, the bonus time, whatever that costs. <laughs> that last overtime was worth the price. Zach told the most bizarre <laughs> story. I don't want to get into it again, so that gives somebody the gift that keeps on giving. Give them the 15-minute. Well, the strangest story Zach's ever told on the podcast. I'll give him that. Give them the but it fi- was a true story. I'm trying to do an ad for story. you, Zach. Get, <laughs> give sorry, them the 15-minute bonus time. It's Play the equivalent TV. to the Jelly of the Month Club. It's a gift that keeps on giving. But I did have another movie idea, because I know you're talking about going around. Now people's asking Zach. So know. now he's going back to his alma mater. Yeah, going. Because they're like, oh, who's the guy that was behind the blind? He's a graduate of our our school. Let's have him back and tell us how he did so. He stuff. caught lightning in a bottle yep. uh, with the blind. Phil, you know, was a contributor to that. Pretty much was the reason that that worked, Zach. But uh, I agree. And, and Phil had a... You know, he had a similar experience. He went to Louisiana Tech, and uh, then they invited him back after, what, 40 years? 40 years. And put you on the wall. And uh, Phil finally concluded that they just wanted a check. So, Zach, they're probably going to. Your alma mater, they're trying to. I'm just going to cut to the chase here and keep you. Give Grounded, you humble pie, which we realized wrote <laughs> yeah. days in the hole. Who yeah. needed to be introduced to Jesus? Humble pie. They're just going to. I think some that's money. the only pie served around here is humble pie. You're only so, as good yeah. as your next project, so I'm going to give it to. I've given you multiple ideas, and they're all just yeah. sitting on your floor in your office there, in crumpled pieces of paper. <laughs> But I think this one will work. You're assuming he wrote it So down. you pick up, Phil. You ready? This will be a lot more marketing for you. But So you pick up now, since you have the blind, and you see where it ended. Yep. Now you go through the, because Phil, like we've talked about the kingdom, he now has the Holy Spirit, but it kind of ended right there, you know, with one meal. Yeah. Well, then what happened? So then, look, you, you ready for this? The ministry, and call it... The blur. The blur. <laughs> it's so good, it left the room. Let me, let me take a note of this where I won't forget it. Phil, as you're... <laughs> 
Well, I told you, you got to have, you know, you, it's fun. It's positive. People go to the Lord. You you know, you had a hit TV show. You come up with the number one duck call in the world. All the things, it became a blur. Well, there is, there a, is a gap. Now, Jay's is right in the sense that I've had many, many people ask me, okay, is there going to be a sequel? Because everybody knows the Duck Dynasty years, which are the most recent. Now they know the full backstory. What about the middle? That's what they're asking me. See, now that, Al, but now that he can see, yeah, he's so busy. It's the, the Lord is using you so much that it's not that you're blind. It's now a blur. Well, it was a blur. I'm so impacted by, I'll give you a little example. I'm impacted by the, the uh, crowd of people. They come from all over the, literally all over the world. Yep. It's a small place. They sit down, and and there's a question for them. Did you come here to be baptized? A lot do. Yeah. Yeah. Did you come here to be they baptized? Made a decision. They want to confirm and, and it. I say, if you do, if you did, raise your hand where I'll know where you are. So I'm watching now, and if one raises their hand, at least six more, five to six are coming behind them. They didn't come there to be baptized. So I, I tell them the stories about Jesus. Well, maybe they just start thinking, oh, we can actually do this today. Yeah. And I said, it's free of charge. I yeah. said, no money is no money is changing hands. On the, it's a valid is, point. There's very few things in life that are worth anything that are free. That's right. God's grace should be at the top of that's the right. list. So you know what happens when so they... I make that point. I said... You're in luck because here, so we will baptize you. So both times in the last, say, couple of weeks, uh, 12, about 15 have obeyed the gospel. I've taken them down. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe Jesus became flesh and died on the cross for your sins? And the ones who, with tears, 90% of them, yep. say, yes, I do. I said, well, because of that confession, that Jesus is Lord, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God's going to give you his spirit. One of them said, how do I know I'll have the spirit? I said, you'll know. If your faith is in Jesus, you'll know. So that's what that's all I do for the kingdom. I, I was appointed to preach the gospel. Yep. So that's all I do. I used to ask my mom that when I was a kid. She would, uh, I was, what does it feel like when you come out of that water? Was it like, <laughs> like, I think that's a good question. How I know that I have the spirit. I mean, that is a good question. Uh, you know, I, and I think that the spirit, which we, we talked a little bit about this in the last episode. I think it's, I think it, not it, he, it's a, he's a person and he, he does convict us of things and that we would have never, ever been convicted of he he speaks to us in in the most intimate ways and i think that it's like any relationship really with anybody it's it's a relationship that grows over time and it's not like a magic thing you know oh i'm completely whole because you're you know you're here in a broken state but you walk with the spirit you get to know his voice and hear his voice like my dad for example you guys know he does this a lot he does that you know he does that bird whistle he can do it it's but when he I was does a kid, it so much, I don't even, you know, he just, 
it's like I don't even pay attention to. Yeah, he's it. if he's around, you're, you're immune to it. He yeah. he he just he constantly. I wish I wish we had that sound. What he does, but well, he would do it like when we would be out somewhere, and he would when he would do that whistle. We knew oh, it's time to go. Well, text him right now and tell him to do a voice <laughs> whistle. <laughs> and then some, we don't, yeah, we don't need him. He won't do it. Sure. I, I think people would be interested in what we're talking oh, he about. Would lo- nah, he would oh, love, he would to, love do to do it. Well, you don't have, I mean, he doesn't have a cell phone. <laughs> we're live. I mean, so you, sit, want me to, you want me to text him? Say, right we now. have a podcast request for you to vocally <laughs> do the whistle so people will know what we're talking about. This, as a producer, I would think that. You would know that this story needs some legs. So, I, so, and while he's doing that, I'll say this: since we were talking about the movie earlier too, so Zach is in the movie as his dad at the end. Because I had some people ask me about who the people were. Yeah, I got a little confused at the end. I wasn't sure who was who. All right, so so let me tell you who they were because you were there. I mean, the character of you. I was there. You were well, there. You know, I met my character. Yeah, and then I took a picture with him. No, yeah, the little guy. Yeah, the little guy. So there, were, one of Richard Anderson's sons played you at the table, mm. but you didn't know he was playing you. I think it may have, I don't remember well, I think which. that's who I, who I took a picture with. No, I was thinking there was a little actor that played you too. But anyway, so, uh, and then Max, Zach's son, played me. He's the one with the feathered hairdo, which I thought was pretty pretty good for that era of my life. But then they had, uh, you know, the actor playing Cy, but my daughter Alex is playing Christine in the movie. Then there's the actress who played Jan in the movie, in the whole movie, and then she's sitting next to Zach, who's playing his dad, which I thought was pretty cool. So these are little Easter eggs that you probably wouldn't know. Most people just see those people there, and not kind of realize who they are. It's uh, you got. I had different reactions from that. M- most people were like, "Man, that was super powerful watching you play your dad." I teared up. Yeah. And then there's Willie, who was like, dude, that was weird. And he, and he like ridiculed me. And like, there was like a, probably about a 15 minute, just like he had planned a roast and he roasted me for probably 15 minutes for playing my dad. So, well, Willie has been roasting me and you ever since we roasted him at his roast. He can't get off of it. That's why I told him last time he started in on me about, you know, being, I've fat. got the record, I've got the sound. Oh, you got the sound. Well, that yeah. didn't take long. Boy, Zach's got a hotline in Gordo. Hey, when right. I said we, we want you on the podcast, he's like, no. All right, let's, let's hear see it. Put it close to the mic. Could y'all yep. hear that? Yep. Let's do, it do, it again. Again. do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Yeah, that's what he does. He does that with his mouth. I actually nominate that to take over the cricket every time. (laughs) Now I know why his dad did it because Zach would say something, and he this he couldn't figure out the cricket. Even as a little child, he was dropping these big words. He realized he had a skill to try to break the tension in the room. (laughs) (laughs) It does sound like that. That was early cricket. My my point was that if I hear that, I know that's my father's voice because I. Know him and I've been raised with him. And oh, I've been waiting way. for the spiritual yeah. point. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's that like, actually it's like does with the spirit. go in with what we're talking about because Matthew, I mean, uh, Luke 18. Before you get to the text, though, I got another text. Are you fixing to go there? I wasn't going to read it. I was just going to say that what happened was 
because we're studying this, and uh, I think we publicized this that when we Al, when we went to Bible school, which you know I didn't realize what I was doing there <laughs> until now, which has been thirty <laughs> something years. But God had a plan, and but the only book that uh, well we didn't study Mark, right? And Luke, Luke, we had a real dry. Uh, love the guy. Yeah. Love this guy. The dry instructor. He he was just a bit dry, and I was incapable of paying attention at that stage of my life. And so when I read Luke 18, I was like, well, this sounds familiar. Didn't we just do this? I was at my house, you know, by myself studying. And I looked back to Luke 11, and I was like, oh, wait. He told the same the same principle yeah. with two stories. That's right. Which made me then feel convicted because I had never noticed that before. And then I thought for Jesus to repeat himself with two different parables with the same meaning, yeah. evidently I've missed something here. I mean, he, he's really yeah. making a point, And the fact that I didn't know it, that's all I was going to say. Oh, and the fact that Luke brought it out. So, so before we so go. We're going to cover Luke 11 and Luke. We're going to get there. So before we do that, I want to read this verse because I promised it in the last overtime and we never got to it because of Zach's creepy story they told from Arkansas. Um, <laughs> Romans eight twenty six because we've been talking about this kingdom concept and the deity and the spirit and the temple now being us. I want you to listen to this in lieu of where we're about to go. This is Paul. Um, He says in verse 26, and he's been talking about redemption. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Verse 27, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And I thought it was a fascinating statement that he makes to the Romans because in light of what we've been talking about, the idea that Yahweh sent Jesus who shows us Yahweh as well as himself, who then sends us his Spirit, which again shows us who Jesus is living in us. And according to Paul, he also has even more of a role. He actually in prayer helps us communicate in ways that we don't always know we're communicating. So as we're getting ready to go into this prayers of Luke 18 and also back to Luke 11, I thought I wanted to read that text because it really sets up about who he is. Let's uh, let's take our first break. So we have a lot of great uh, sponsors of our podcast, and we're very grateful uh, for the businesses uh, that choose to support us to be able to get the the Bible out and the gospel out like we do on Unashamed Podcast. One of those is uh, is our old friends at Barrel Buddy. And uh, we knew the first time we talked to these guys that we were kind of of the same, cut from the same cloth, uh, so to speak. Um, these guys opened in prayer when we had a conversation with them, told us their story. They're believers. Uh, they're like us. They come up with a hunting product. Uh, while they were out hunting, a better way to clean your weapon because uh, they were out in a wet, muddy field and said, man, we got to have a better way to clean our gun barrel. And so that's uh, where our relationship with Barrel Buddy started. Uh, now we just encourage everybody, we want you to have uh, efficient and accurate weapons, uh, safe as well. And the way you do that is make sure uh, that uh, you use their polymer system uh, to clean your barrels. So whether you're just a gun enthusiast and like to go shoot, or if you're like us, you like to hunt, 
their polymers will go through any, they got one set for any gauge, uh, also any pistol or rifle. And uh, they show you exactly what's come out of your barrel. So you know that you're uh, hunting with a clean weapon. So it's a uh, hunting season is upon us. So we want you to be sure and check them out. Uh, BarrelBuddy.com is where you go to find their product. B-A-R-R-E-L Buddy.com. Uh, support these guys as they support us on Unashamed. Okay. So are we going to go to Luke 11? Yep, let's do it. And and Al's going to, because Luke 11 and Luke 18, you'll see the similarities. The connection, yep. But what I was going to say before we read this, because we're going to be talking about prayer. And the reason that I didn't know that these two paragraphs were connected, there's very few sermons you hear on these two paragraphs. Would you agree with that? Correct. Because you hear quite a bit on Luke 11, not much on Luke 18. The prayer that he's describing on how we should pray. And and you got to remember, these are two parables, but a parable, uh, I forgot who said this, but you know, when Jesus spoke in parables, they're not like an allegory where we, when we study the verses, we try to find a spiritual principle in everything. It's just the nature, especially when you preach or teach. But you know, Jesus's parables usually had one overall theme. Now he he there there might be a lot of subtle things about it that you could draw some principles. And uh, I, I I really think he zeroes in in how we should pray, like from our perspective, how we should pray. But the conclusion is it's not really what you see in the religious world. That's right. And uh so that that just really perplexed me. So some of this might make you feel uncomfortable, but I was going to say two, two things because it's going to come back to God, our Father. He's portraying as we pray, and I think you'll agree, the two principles. We're praying as children to our Father in both cases. Yeah. And he knows what's best. And, and that works because he is the perfect Father. But it made me think that two of our problems in our culture, before we re- get into this, just and maybe I'll get your opinion on this, uh, is one is we seem to have an identity problem, especially with our teenagers. It's like there's just a lost identity, which, you know, we all believe we get our our identity, you know, from the Lord. And I've done this many times. I, you know, I've I've said. I've asked these three questions. How did you get here on the earth? But I never said, well, this is our identity. I would just say, here's three basic human human questions that all humans should ask. And I use this as a starting point to share Jesus with people. I've done it thousands of times. How'd you get on the earth? Because everybody has to come up with some source, whether you're a believer or not. You know, I just, I believe there was a big bang. There was no intelligent decision. And and we just got here through natural selection and evolution. Or I don't know. There's not too many options. Or, you know, we believe God made you. You know, I I use Acts 17, 26. God gave us life, breath, and everything else. And he did this, you know, for a reason. And what, what are we doing here? 
And uh, I usually go to Second Corinthians uh, five twenty. We are therefore, you know, Christ's ambassador. He has a purpose for. So what are we do? What are we doing on the earth? And how are we leaving? And that's when we get into the resurrection. But I heard an interesting uh, sermon from uh, Tim Keller, and he did it from Psalm 103. And I'm bringing this up because I'm going to refer to Psalm 103 the next couple of podcasts when we talk about God, our Father, and how we should pray. But he had three points, which was really incredible, about what parents give us as as children. And they give us existence, obviously, because when they came together at some point, we were the result of that, right? And they give us resemblance because we resemble our parents. It's just, this is how this works. But they give us, most importantly and primarily, a relationship. And and when you look at those three principles and, and realize where I'm going with this is one of the biggest problems with kids' identity is fatherless homes. And I found this website. I mean, it was the number one Google search. I just Googled fatherless homes. And the number one search was the consequences of fatherlessness. And, of course, y'all probably see what I'm doing here. Because when we pray as children to our father, which are going to be the basis of these two parables, you even see that now in our culture, what happens when there's not a fatherly presence in our homes? And, and this list, uh, and, and you all know what happens, but when I clicked on it, it's a long report, but you know, number one is poverty. Children and father absent homes are almost four times more likely to be poor. Number two, drug and alcohol abuse. Same same thing. You know, the, the statistics are staggering on how much more abuse there is in a fatherless home. Physical and emotional health. Uh, children age three and older living with a residential father or father figure found that children living with, the, you know, parents had significantly significantly fewer behavioral problems. So that was that one. Number four, educational achievement and i found this stat crazy 75 percent of all high school dropouts fatherless home just think about that stat right i mean it's crazy uh 71 percent crime guess what you go to the prison they did the survey way more in there look busted busted home yeah uh what's the next one sexual activity uh, unwanted pregnancies. I mean, it, it's so staggering, the numbers. I mean, they got all the numbers here. It's it's just crazy. And so when I read that, I was just kind of overwhelmed because I was like, wow. You know, God designed this with his family, you know, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, which is why he set up the way he is because you can't, experience love alone even though he's one he has these three manifestations and you see his love come out in sending jesus you see his counsel come out through giving his his spirit which think of all these where all this fatherless homes leads to a lot of counseling that's if it's you know a positive the need for love and 
So I just thought those two underlying principles were very important when we start looking at this in the relational aspect to the Father. No, I, I... I agree, and even even the concept of truth, Jay's truth is not mentioned in that list. But when I look and I see today, I watch these college kids, and they've all gotten into this everything that's going on in the world with Israel and Hamas, and you know the Palestinian conflict. By the way, it's been going on for now eighty years, this back and forth. But I watch them, and I think these kids don't know any truth. Like they know nobody's there to teach them anything. And so then you just react the way they're reacting. Well, there's someone there that's teaching them, all right? Yeah, but not truth, exactly. So you're getting lies. So it's really interesting to me, you're right, the concept. We haven't even talked about truth as a basis of the Holy Spirit, but, Zach, that's one of the main guides. We're talking about being a guide is to guide back to truth and what's right. Remember he said the will of God. Yeah, that's what he says in John. He says when he comes, he will guide you into all Truth exactly. and then John 17, uh, I think 17 17 says that, um, uh, he prays that we're that we would be sanctified by the truth. Your word is truth, right? Well, how do we hear the word? Well, God has to speak it, He does that via the Holy Spirit, which is that's why it's so important to understand it because it's it's what is truth? That's that's probably a good question to ask because what even is truth? Yeah, that's what Jesus, or that's yeah. what Pilate asked Jesus, what's truth? Yeah. And, but, he, but to your point, when he said uh, in John 1, when he said Jesus came full of grace and truth, that was right after he said, to my point, John 1, 12, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born yeah. not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. And what I'm saying is the current crisis in the culture, that the breakdown of the home, which is what I was getting at, and the lack of identity when you take away godly principles and a stable home life, that is a reflection of the need for all of us to have a relationship with the Father. Yeah. I mean— Yeah, that's, it, why he sa- well, that's why he says in John 4— to the woman at the well, when she asked about a place, he said, it's not a place. It's not in the mountain, on the mountain. It's not in Jerusalem. The, what do you say? The Father now seeks worshipers who will worship the Father, the Father in spirit and truth. So you see this combination again. You mentioned grace and truth, spirit and truth, how that's linked to the Father. I mean, that's because the Father sends the Spirit to to deliver that to us in truth if we defined it, it would be this. It is when your thought matches up with reality. That's what it is. It's it's when my thought matches the way the world really is. And when th- that relationship between thought and reality is truth. And so when the spirit reveals things to us about ourselves and about the, because the biggest lie the devil told us, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast. Uh, I heard this from Ray Ortland was that God or that, 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 that the earth the world is an oasis on the desert of God. That's the biggest lie the devil ever told the world, and we believed it. What the Spirit's doing is to counteract that lie and to say, no, 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 that's backwards. The truth is, the reality is, is that God is the oasis, and that all the things that you're looking for, all the fulfillments of this uh, that you think you're going to find in this world, you will never be fulfilled by the, the, the uh, consumption of the things of the world for the sake of themselves, 
you are only find fulfillment in God. That is that's truth. And then the spirit's trying to line up our thought with that reality. And when that matches, we have a thing called truth, and then we can actually live in it and experience it. And and it actually increases your faith, is what uh, Romans four says that Abraham's faith increased as he participated, as he gave glory to God, his faith increased because yeah, he tasted the goodness of God. This is the idea of the mustard seed. Let's take another break. So your business is humming along, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work. It's taken forever to close the books. Getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, you need to know three numbers, 36,000, 25, and 1. 36,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25 is the number that NetSuite turns this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down cost. One is because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all your KPIs, which are your key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistent, excellent performance, absolutely free, at netsuite.com slash fill. That's netsuite.com slash fill to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash fill. Check them out. Well, and also, the, the it's a real hopeful thing, too, because Jace describes situations where many times whole groups of people, you know, can't see where they're trapped because, you know, they're in this bad system. Uh, that they're trying to function in. But there's the beautiful thing about this is there's always a connection to the Father in heaven. You just got to make that connection. He, You know, he's always seeking, which we talked about in Luke 15. Yeah, I went to Brian Rucker we've had on the podcast before. He got married this past weekend to a great gal. And, you know, he's told his story on here. It's an incredible story. Again, no father, you know, Living in a bad situation, got gets into in drugs, gang. Gets got, in got in a gang, gang into a, in prison. He gets in a gang because why? He has no, he looks, he's looking for an identity. That's exactly right. right. For and a he's family. looking for a family. Yep. There he goes. So we're, I'm watching this wedding, and now he's a man of God. He's one of our ministry leaders. Uh, by the way, he's his story is now out on I Am Second, so I encourage you to go look that up because it's incredible. But So I'm watching this, and I'm just in tears because I'm thinking – he found us who then showed him Jesus and the Father, and now this man has the Holy Spirit, and I'm watching him build this new family with his son being his best man, standing right next to him because he had a son during that bad period of his life. Now he's back in his life, and he's being raised. So, I mean, I was just watching this picture of grace yeah. standing before me. It's incredible. He's the only that. man that I know of that when it, in his job interview, they said, okay, well, what, what's your story? You know, just to break the ice. And he said, well, I'm a convicted felon <laughs> and actually got hired. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the worst line of all time, but he was honest and they shared Jesus with him. You know what's funny, Jace? The man that hired him was one of his groomsmen. <laughs> 
<laughs> at his wedding. I it mean, just shows you the power of Jesus. And, uh, you know, I, I've said this before, probably, but when I have had the privilege to share Jesus to people who have kids and their home is broke, you know, and they, because it usually is like, well, now what? When they come, they're like, well, what's the first thing I should do? I'm like, you you have to go introduce Jesus to your family, which which gives them the access to the Father. And in that process, you're going to realize how much you need to be a father now. How, how much? Because it's not going to be being a father is extremely difficult. I mean, we could all tell our horror yeah. stories. It, it is. It, it takes a lot of patience, unselfishness, forgiveness, uh, repentance. Even, you know, to your kids, because unlike God, we're not perfect. And uh, even in some cases, they have to, you know, forgive us. I mean, because I I remember a conversation I had with my oldest son when it was, I was in that situation where it was like, well, why, why, why do I, you know, why? why?" And I was like, because I said so. I was like, it's kind of, and I used that principle because I'd heard somebody, some preacher give that. When we don't understand Something in the Bible, we do it because God said so. And that's just it. Right. And so I was making that principle. And my son said, but you're not God. And boy, I just, you're talking about crickets. I, I, I wish I'd have had that Gordon whistle. Because <laughs> <laughs> in that moment, I realized he was right. He, he, he was, that, was yeah. a, that was a really uh, smart thing to say. And I didn't keep going on the narrative because I said so. I was like, you know what? You're right. Because earthly I, fathers are still flawed. I said, I could be wrong on this, and but I want you to trust me because I, and I moved to the Father. It was a really profound conversation. I was like, I, I love the Lord. I'm getting my information from him. I'm basing it on his truth, and this is a tough situation. And guess what? If I'm wrong, you have to forgive me, and I'm going to pre-apologize, but this is what we're going to do. But, but my point is, in that struggle is how God wants us to pray to him. If Once you abandon that and leave, because it'd be a lot easier, that's why there's more yeah. fatherless homes than there are, because it's just way easier to say, forget it. Go down the road and go do whatever you want to. It just takes a lot of work, patience, discipline, awkward conversations, and but that struggle is what I think Jesus is trying to. Your capture. children have to see the, they have to see the fruit. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's one of the guys, one of the guys that I, I've read used to read a lot uh, years ago. Um, he's a Christian apologist. His name is uh, J.P. Moreland, super smart guy, and he did all the evidences for the existence of God. And they asked one of the questions that they asked him was, "What's the?" biggest objection that you in your ministry that you've seen that would prevent someone from coming to Christ. And, and, uh, and it's been a while since I've read this or heard him say this, but I, so I may get a little bit wrong, but he said something to the effect of in all of my years of doing apologetics, what I've found is that most people, the vast majority of people who reject the, the notion of, of, of the God of the Bible is for two reasons. Um, one, they want unbridled sexual expression, or two, and I think he said more likely was that they they had a horrible reference point for an earthly father figure, and whatever whoever their father figure was in their life, he was not 
a good guy, and that's how they projected on God. And and I think that what you're, what, I think that's why the devil wants to attack families. He wants to because he wants to destroy fathers and homes. He doesn't want the devil does not for all the things you mentioned. There's another book called Life Without Father that gives all these stats. An old book, but it gives all the stats of what you're talking about. And uh, Thomas Sowell's written about it, and some of his books as well. But, I mean, you look at the stats on what happens when the father's not present in a home. I mean, there is no denying it. I mean, it is destroy. It will just des- you want to destroy a culture. You want to destroy a society. It, th- here's how you do it: get the fathers out of the homes. And I think the reason why a father in a home is, you know, so important is because it's reflective of of who God is. Um, this book right here, which I highly recommend, Michael Reeves wrote it. It's about uh, delighting in, in the Trinity. He says here that the most foundational thing in God is not some abstract quality, but the fact that he is father. And he just gives verse after verse after verse that God is, is, is ultimately father. And so even Jesus, whenever he, you know, when Jesus explains who God is, what does he say? You know, that, that no one can come to the father except through me. And so, I mean, even Jesus, when he's talking about who God is, so God's eternally father, who eternally is begotting the son, Jesus, and then the spirits that love in between them. I mean that to me that's that's who God is. No, it's and, a valid point. Though. I mean, because look, Jesus referred to God as His Father every time in the Gospels, but one. And you know when the one that wasn't when He was on the cross yeah. when He went, "My God, My God," because right. in actuality He was giving up the relationship in His family that's right. with the Father for us, so that He could be our to Father. Be, to be forsaken. Let's let's take another break. So, Zach, you and I talked about uh, in the past that we had had some uh, higher liver enzymes earlier this year. Uh, mine are in good shape now uh, because I've been taking some liver health formula. What about you? Are yours in better shape? Yeah, mine was just due to a virus. I didn't have the same issue that you have with the, with the uh, what do they call it? Fatty, fatty liver. liver. Yeah. Well, you're yeah. not as fat as me either, Zach. So. <laughs> I have put on a few, though. So <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for holding that over my head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you haven't heard about Liver Health Formula on just our show. It's been on HGTV, Fox News, Newsmax, Food Network. Uh, these guys are everywhere. They've helped more than 2.6 million people uh, with their products, including me. Uh, and that's why it's so popular. If you were to add up all the residents of Arizona, Virginia, Florida, and Texas, you would still not get the 100 million Americans that have sluggish, fatty liver that help that unfortunately makes people gain weight and experience fatigue. So if you've got some uh, low energy you're suffering from, brain fog, uh, some unexplained extra flab, you need to try Liver Health Formula. It's an all-natural supplement packed with clinically proven botanicals to help you recharge and protect your liver. So join me, countless others who have already begun taking steps to improve their health at getliverhelp.com slash unashamed. When you go there, you're also going to get a free bottle of blood sugar formula. So we already have saved 64%. That's getliverhelp.com slash unashamed to get this special offer. All right, I want to read this, Luke 11. Before I do, I want to read this um little section out of uh, Chuck Swindoll is a guy that I read a lot. And I think you'll like this, Zach, because we're talking about prayer. And Jace made the point at the end of Keller's lesson, that last point was about relationship. Because that's what prayer is. It's an invitation to relationship. 
it's a conversation, you know, at a at a deep level. But I, I want you to listen to what Swindoll said. This is so good because it shows you the difference. And because prayer is not always easy to explain to people. Here's what he said. Prayer is a mysterious thing, at least with respect to the God of the scripture. Pagan prayer, on the other hand, this is false, you know, that you see out there. It makes perfect sense. In false religion, prayer is merely part of a transaction, a process in which petitioners attempt to bend the will of deity to give them what they want. Therefore, pagan prayers always involve bargaining, promise to do this or that in exchange for a positive answer, bribing, making large donations to gain a favorable hearing, begging, making oneself pitiful enough to warrant kindness and justification, proving oneself of divine favor. That's what makes pagan prayer uncomplicated. It is arduous and painstaking, but it's very straightforward. It reduces the deity to the level of a vending machine. Mm, the Which, cosmic bellhop. The cosmic bellhop. And I actually wrote that in my notes, Zach, because you say that a lot. So listen, this is what he says about our prayer. Prayer before God, however, is exactly the opposite. The God of the Bible cannot be bribed or manipulated. He needs nothing. He knows our hearts. He's completely sovereign. Therefore, prayer before God is not an exercise of manipulation, but a necessary part of a relationship. He is a relational being that desires personal interaction, Yep. which I think is really powerful. It shows you the difference in how we even view God, and I think that's the backdrop by which prayer is. And so that's why we're going to go back to Luke 11, because Jesus had introduced this earlier, as Jay said. But before we get to those two stories in Luke 18, I think we need to read this because really you have to put them all together. Let's just read it. All right, so here's Luke 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, which, by the way, this happens all— how many times have we set the story that he's someplace praying? Which is true because he was—you know, you want to see what's right. Watch what he does. That's right. Not just what he says. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, and to Jason's whole point, they set this up, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, there's the kingdom again, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, that's pretty short, compact. Then he said to them, and he's going to give them a couple of stories. Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before them. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you know, though, if you, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Exactly. And I think the one we went through, Luke 11, I made the point where it says boldness, 
which is going to be repeated in Luke 18, that when you go down a deep dive with that word, you know, some translations say unashamed audacity. It's almost like this is where people have the problem with it because it's almost like rudeness, like bothering God, shameless, relentless. And, you know, at first when I read that, I thought, that doesn't seem like the normal prayers. But then I, then I got to thinking, you know, when he says knock, well, if you came to my house and just did this, if you went, well, well you're sitting there thinking, what was that, babe? Did a limb fall? Did a bird run into the door? You know, knocking is, is which is already, it's a continual thing that you're like well oh what was that sound like somebody knocking nobody answers then what do you do you knock knock some more he's almost encouraging this relentless attitude and then you when you put it in the context of father and children well you see that i mean i have a little one now who's in a fatherless situation that we're trying to help out that we, you know, we had for the first 10 months of his life, 24-7. And, uh, you know, now that he knows some concept of the English language, trust me, he he knocks all day in various ways. It, oh, yeah. it, it's just a relentless <laughs> <laughs> that never stops. No, because they're, they're not and, afraid to ask. And it's like once I read this verse, you know, I wasn't paying attention much as much to my kids just because of the pace of life and you're young and you're trying to make a living. But now, you know, it's just my wife and I and we have this little one here and I'm older and I'm reflecting here and I'm reading these passages and I'm looking and I'm like, boy, my prayer life stinks because <laughs> I'm doing nothing I mean, this kid, every time he sees me, he wants something. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. And you're balancing all that and trying to teach it. It's taking, taking so much time and, and selflessness, which was my point. Why I really feel like it's given me a window in how I need to change my prayer life. You know, it's not just some flowery three-point sermon that I'm in the habit of doing. It, it's a, almost a struggle and a, and a wrestle. <laughs> Of a on, in a daily environment, which is why I brought up the one, Psalm one hundred three, because it is a struggle for us on Earth and trying to figure out what God knows and how we think life should be going. Just and, think uh, of what would happen if you never answered to the call. If you never answer to it, and they're just there. I mean, I can't imagine. Look, we don't get to see him as much now, but I can't imagine because it's just a daily. I mean, they're they're molding their character and their personality, and they're looking for leadership and, and trust, and they're forming that identity through a relationship. Well, if it's not there, it's just like a big hollow plate. You're not giving them the best chance to succeed, and God is using that very principle through Jesus right here showing, yeah, you may not like this. You may not understand what's going on. Because the kid, look, what does a really, what does a three-year-old really understand? Not much. But they're asking, and, and you're, you're portraying trust in that you're not giving them, if they ask you, you know, for an egg, you're not giving them a scorpion. You would never do that, you know. But they still don't understand how come 
you're not giving them what they think at this time they want. But it's so it's so true to who we are. Let's take our last break. So we're always a uh, um, really proud of Unashamed Nation, just the way you guys support us. And um, that hasn't, I mean, that's been seen more clearly through the blind, maybe than anything we've done so far. Yeah. Uh, Dad, I, I think you can say now safely, because you weren't sure about it going in, that it's definitely was worth it to make the movie. Would you agree? I was shocked, to tell you the truth about it, on the numbers. And it was such a good shot because it's it's changed a lot of people's lives. Now it's available, of course, on digital. And, Zach, that's probably a good thing, right? Because I know a lot of people have reached out to us wanting to use it in devotionals and, you know, uh, house churches and church settings and Sunday school classes. So now you can actually have it yourself. Oh, yeah. I get calls all the time. Hey, what's that? Give me the lines from this part of the movie or, or clips or I get, I get those calls all the time. So now, yeah, you can you can purchase a digital copy on the blaze. That's exactly right. Uh, you can own it. Uh, you can use it however you want to uh, to continue to further the kingdom, which was our, our idea by making it. Uh, you don't have to subscribe to Blaze TV. You just go to blaze dot com slash the blind uh, to purchase it. Uh, on digital and then watch it instantly and have it available. Uh, also, if you buy now, they're going to give you a code for 20% off all unashamed in the woods and the blind merchandise only in blaze TV stores. You get some really cool stuff and save you a little money for some Christmas gifts as well. So go to blaze tv.com slash the blind to watch the blind today. Because you, you uh, compare what you're discovering now with this infant child, now toddler, compared to the story you told earlier about your oldest son, it's still the same concept. The older son understands more of the implications, but he still has to trust his father, Yeah. ultimately, even us as flawed fathers. So it, when you think about how we relate to God, this was Jesus' whole point, it starts out by saying, Father... We hallow who you are because you are greater than we are. So it puts you in that submissive situation to depend on him. Well, right. When Zach made his uh, two principles, he said why people struggle, you know, believing there's a God. Uh, and you said this one, they want to express themselves sexually. And what was the other one you said? Uh, had a, had a, a bad experience with their earthly father figure. Had a bad they, experience. They were hurt. But I'll tell you another one. I mean, he can add a point three here is when bad things happen. You know, because I was recently counseling with some people who had lost lost a child, which is horrible. It's terrible. There, there's nothing you can say. But here we are praying to a God because they're not wanting to pray. Because they're just like, I just can't. I mean, we prayed for this not to happen, and it, happened. it doesn't make any yeah. sense. And so now they're rethinking their whole view and the existence of God. And— that that's that where, is a big one. That's where this gets hard, because you it, to make the illustration that Jesus is making while we become like little children is you're just never going to be able to understand what God knows and how this is how this works. You're, you're never going to be a, able to understand. It. That's right. But He's asking but you to trust Him on a daily basis, and it's going to be a struggle. And I think that's why it has almost this, not a negative connotation, but this audacity and shamelessness. And as long as you're struggling and you're wrestling 
with it, because it, prayer becomes a window into your humanity. Because it's affirming when you're praying to God in pain and struggle, when you're lashing out, when you're uncomfortable. You know, you're hearing somebody who's in so much pain, they're praying a prayer that you're like, I'm not sure this is, you know, they're, 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 all their struggles are coming out and it's telling you inside there's a God and you're not, you're not him. Yeah. And you, you're yeah. either going to trust your father or you're not. And I think that's what he's appealing to here. And there's this, I, there's an idea here too, that when we do pray, because a lot, a lot of these things that we're praying or even singing like an like or like you read through the Psalms, and you're like, well, I don't, I don't really believe that. I mean, I want to believe it, but I can't really say this with a clear conscience because I am full of doubt, and I haven't put all my trust in God, and I have you know, all these things we would want to say. But what we're doing when we do that and we participate in formative practices, they're formative, meaning they form us into a particular kind of person. Is we're saying we want to be this. Uh, God make us this. God, uh, like this, it's 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 progressive. And so when you look at this prayer here that uh, Jesus is instructing, I love what Al said, uh, pointing out the fact that that the, you start with who is God, Father, hallowed be your name. And so you're you're lifting up and and, and you're testifying in that prayer that God is powerful enough to do whatever needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second part of it is that he's good enough. Give us each day our daily bread that God's good enough. And our friend, our mutual friend, Zach Stevens, uh, years ago, he was telling me about that. He was doing it like with his kid. They were, he was on the couch, one of his kids, and he was, was probably like three years old and they were doing a trust fall and they were having the best time. And the kid would just fall back and, and, and close his eyes and fall back, and, and Zach would catch his son, his three-year-old son, every time, and the kid would just jump back up, back up on the couch and do it again, do it again, and do it again, Dad, do it again, Dad. And he said, man, it just was, because we were talking about this passage and this whole thing about trusting in who God is. He said, man, you know, he's never been, I've never dropped him one time. And he, in his mind, he doesn't have a framework for that. You know, and the only way that Zach would drop him would be one of two ways. One, if his son was, 500 pounds and maybe he couldn't catch him didn't have the ability to catch him or he was a horrible dad and wanted to watch his son fail and hurt and let him fall god's neither of those things he is he is powerful enough to do what he said he's going to do and he's good enough to have our best interest at heart and it's these prayers like this that that over time we start to actually believe that and live it out i think it's one of the big parts of prayer yeah, so so he has this parable. I want to at least read the Luke 18 and so we get it out there. So the first one in Luke 11 was this friend in the middle of the night who had some guests over, and because of his audacity, he finally gets up. So in Luke 18, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up because you got to remember he just depicted a end-time judgment that That's was right. going to happen. That's why he's brought it back up here. That's why he brought it back up. So verse 2, he said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men, which is strange. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, and that's why I said, keeps bothering me. I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. 
And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? I mean, you just think, picture this prayer crying out day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And that's, to me, I think, link right back to what he was just talking about earlier. There's no doubt that he brings that out in that moment. I think it gives you a picture, too, of this injustice when bad things happen, which is why I told the story about the worst things that can possibly happen to you. That's when you go to your father and you trust him and you do it aggressively and you cry out. And I think that's why Luke inserts that story here. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in the overtime as well as uh, next time we'll get into the second part of this, which is actually how you pray uh, in terms of your attitude. And that's the second story that it tells. So if you want to follow us over to get a little bit more, blazetv.com slash unashamed is where we'll be. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.